I'm, I'm doing well today. I had some delicious donuts for breakfast and uh, some yogurt, so I'm feeling pretty good. How about you? I'm I'm super annoyed because you you didn't send me a picture of a yogurt, but you sent me a picture of the delicious donuts. Yes, I'm sorry about that. They were very delicious, and I've got to say that Duology and Babylon Village, New York, totally not sponsoring us at all and totally not paying us to uh, shell for them, but they have very good donuts. Maple bacon is the best. I'm not going to shill for them. They, they're they in Babylon. I'm not in Babylon. That That's that's mean. And and you had to rub it in. It was a maple bacon? Maple bacon donut, yes. What was the other one? Uh, the other one was a chocolate raspberry cheesecake one. Jeez. Yes. And this wasn't like I've seen maple bacon donuts. They put like little bits of bacon on it. This place looked like they put entire strips of bacon on there yes they did. <laughs> it was ridiculous and you had the gall to send me a picture instead of actually ordering some and having it shipped here like asap i know i'm sorry i'm a horrible person this is established Yes, very established. Uh, hello, everyone, and welcome to Geek and Spiel podcast. Uh, it has been—it's been a little bit of time. It's been a—it's been a hot second. Uh, just a little hot second. Just a little bit. I had some questions for you, Jeff. Yes. How was Gen Con this year? Did you enjoy going? I did not go to Gen Con this year. Oh, how was Dice Tower Con? I did not go to Gen- Dice Tower Con this year either. How, how was Origins? Jacob. <laughs> How, do you have your ticket to Essenspiel yet? Oh yeah, of course I do. Yeah, let me just let me just pull it up right here. Essen, I gotta say, is one of my bucket list conventions to go to. We may want to try and plan like in the future. Hey, let's go to let's just go to Germany and buy some board games. So you know what's what's going on here in in about two two weekends is my wedding anniversary. Holy crap! Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's the, it's Labor Day weekend, and uh, this year we're not going to be doing what we usually do because a friend of mine is going uh, is is getting married. He's getting married in D.C., and so we have to go there for his wedding into D.C. But this same friend, not only is he stealing my my anniversary weekend and Anita's anniversary weekend, the last time I saw him, he showed me his trip to Germany. A bunch of friends of his went there. They went to Oktoberfest and they went to all this crazy stuff. And then they just stuck around and decided to go to Essenspiel like it was nothing. What? I know. <laughs> it was just like, he's like, oh yeah, here we are at Essenspiel. We stayed a little later. We went to, we went there. We, we, we played games and whatnot. So we did, we did uh, Oktoberfest in Germany and then went to Essenspiel. And I'm like, I... Is hate I hate the word? You. Yeah, I hate you. Yes. <laughs> you may want to go there, and as soon as he's about to say yes, you just run up and start strangling him and say, why didn't you bring me to Essenspiel? Why didn't you bring me to Essenspiel? Objection! <laughs> <laughs> I object to this wedding. <laughs> no, I, no, he would, he would, he would kill me. He is, he is a very strong man. <laughs> <laughs> He is a very strong man. Uh, eh, you could take him, definitely. 
he, well, he works for the government and and he told us what he does but i don't believe him i'm pretty sure he's like a spy like a james bond type oh yeah like like he's very unassuming but but you know disappears for long periods of time then come back with a tan covered in blood and usually at college we thought that was okay but now i think he does it for a living so <laughs> i don't know uh, eh, what could possibly go wrong with that? Everything. <laughs> yes, everything. Speaking of uh, conventions and people ruining anniversaries and everything. Yes. We at the Geek and Spool podcast are actually uh, planning on going to PAX Unplugged this year. Yes. And oh, I'm so excited. I am too. And it's going to have the OG, the OG cast as well. So you'll... Uh, so Sean and Em are going to, and uh, it's going to be fun. Yep. So Sean and Amy, uh, I'm sorry, Sean, Sean and Emily jumped on, and Amy's coming with them. Yes. Uh, uh, and so you guys are going to go in on thir- on Thursday, right? Yes, I am. Unlike you, I, I I'm sorry. I I'm coming Friday. Forgive me. I'll still be there for roughly two days. So. <laughs> no, still that's good. That's good, and it's. How long has it been since we've seen each other? Oh, God. When did we see each other last? Okay. I was there for Christmas mm-hmm. in March. Did we see each other in March? Possibly. I don't remember. It's been too long. That's, that's the yes. thing. It's been too long. And and yeah. so And, and we're going snail in our old age. Oh, my God. Uh, so this actually will be my first time spending any significant time in Philly. I've never really been to Philly before, if you can believe that. I haven't either. Uh, so... Last year, I went to PAX Unplugged. It was supposed to be a day trip. And then my Amtrak got rescheduled. And, of course it did. And by the time that that I was looking to leave, I was like, I might as well stay here for the night because <laughs> I'd be sleeping in the uh, Penn Station. I don't want to sleep in Penn Station. Oh, God. That'd be terrifying. <laughs> Just a little bit. I, I've, I've been in Penn Station like in the in the AMs like the like the one or two or whatever before and it is like it is it's so weird to see Penn Station like abandoned yeah because I'm so used to it just being a sea of people but to see it like nearly empty is is kind of frightening because there are people there and they're the people you don't want to be near seems like it's the uh the beginning of a horror movie exactly and you're the victim you are not the last girl <laughs> oh no uh so I don't know if our if I don't. I don't think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but and stop me if we have. But last year when you went, you went there. I remember you said it was supposed to be a day trip, and I go on the board games subreddit, uh, and there's somebody essentially doing a uh, missed connection type thing. They were trying to find a person named Jeff who was traveling by themselves and played some games with them, and the group of them had such a fun time, and they wanted to meet up with you. And this turned into a huge thing on on the subreddit, and I think like on Board Game Geek and other and Facebook and stuff. People were trying to find who this Jeff was, and I got so excited because I'm like, all the descriptions they gave matched you, and I'm like, yes. And then I found out it wasn't you, and you you ruined my life. I'm sorry about that, Jacob. Though that Jeff sounds awesome, so he he does cool. Jeffs usually are. Yes, we all are. Doesn't matter if it's uh, G E O F or it's J E F F. All Jeffs are awesome. No, not really. 
it's when they start confusing my name with that. That's when I start getting like the, eh, no, it's not that. Tell us about PAX Unplugged last year. What is it? What's it like there? I'd say the closest approximation is uh, a much bigger Dice Tower Con. I haven't gone to uh, Origins yet, so I can't really compare that. But it's very much uh, geared towards playing games rather than purchasing them. So it's much more in line with a Dice Tower Con versus like a Gen Con or an Essen Spiel. It's very spread out. There are a lot of rooms to play and whatnot. And there are also a lot of different events. I missed out on uh, participating in a Magic the Gathering Commander tournament because I didn't bring any decks because I wasn't expecting it. I didn't know. But uh, like there are just a whole lot of different things you can do there. I'm excited to see it. And as we get closer, I'll see what like some of the events and things are. I'd be interested to see what's going on. The vendor hall is was uh, very well laid out too. You had like your uh, yellow, you had your like a whole bunch of different publishers around there just showing off their games and selling them. But most of the people were like over at tables playing games rather than really like trying to look to buy. That's the stuff I like. That's what I like to see. So is there is there a gaming library? I believe there is. I just I just didn't visit it. So do you think we would need to bring our own titles then? I'd say yes, just because some games are going to be more popular than others. And like, if you have one that you really want to play, then rather than hoping that it's in the library, you just say, oh, hey, I'll bring it with me. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'll, I'll just bring the largest things I have. I'm flying out of Columbia, South Carolina. I'm so happy. It's uh. It's so much better than going through Atlanta. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Atlanta sucks flying anyway. You want to know what really sucks? This will lead into something gaming related, I promise. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So last weekend, again, August has been a pretty busy weekend. This has been a a crazy summer overall. Very busy. And in August, there's two weddings. We went to one last weekend in New York City. And, uh, and and you knew this because I bought games off of you and you gave them to my mother, who then brought them to me while I was in uh, Nassau County. I told her to keep unspeakable words at the house. So when I came back up for holidays, we'd have like a word game or something to play. But then I took Potion Explosion back with me. There's that. I hope you enjoy that one. I will, because I like it too, because that's one of the ones that Anita really likes too. And I've played that one with her before. In Seattle, we played it when we went to the Cafe Mox. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we had to fly in. Th- we got to fly in through Columbia again, through South Carolina, and we went into LaGuardia. And have you been to LaGuardia in the past year? Um, Not that I... Actually, not in the past year. I cannot think of a word that would not be R-rated to describe the situation going through LaGuardia is right now. It is a mess is a nice way of putting it. I think God should come down and wipe that airport off the face of the earth and then sow the ground with salt so nothing ever has grown there again. It's so bad. It took us an hour from getting off the plane to getting to our rental car. Wow. To the rental car area. We we had to sit in a shuttle to take us to another terminal, which then took us to another shuttle that took us to the rental car. We were sitting in there in traffic 
for a half hour we didn't get like a hundred feet from the actual terminal there was just it was so crazy and it was funny because i'm looking out the window of the plane and you can see the amazing shot of of manhattan and all of the uh, the beautiful skyline and and i saw the uh the statue of liberty which i rarely get to see from the plane before and it all looked so cool and i'm like man this makes me really miss being in, like up in new york and then we land and i'm like oh god i take back everything i thought on that flight <laughs> But uh, to bring it back to games, actually, one of the things we did for this during the wedding one part was uh, after the wedding, myself and Anita and our friends Nolan and Andy got an Airbnb in Manhattan, and I gave them an extra copy I had of Villainous. N- Nolan's fiance Andy, he is a huge, huge Disney villain fan. He he has um, these like artistically made framed pictures of all the disney villains up in their office and he has all like the funkos he loves like halloween things and he loves the villains in disney and and he loves disney in general but he's a big fan of the villains so i'm like you guys gotta try this and anita and i have played it a a one versus one before and we were not impressed i did not think it was that good but we decided you know we were there It was our last night there and we uh decided to break it out with a four-player team and they loved it and i thought it was a lot more fun too with four people it suddenly clicked it was a lot better with that many people so villainous has been out for a while and i just want to say that as if you got some disney fans who are willing to learn a game that's a little different than usual it it went over really well and then we just played it a second time too we just switched around which villains we played and uh both nolan and anita won those games uh there are it's not a perfect game it's got some problems Mm-hmm. When I originally went to buy it, I heard like, oh, this is a fun game and it's enjoyable. And I'm like, oh, and Jacob and Anita are big Disney fans. So I said, hey, let's go get, I should go get this for them. Unfortunately, what I didn't see was that, hey, don't play that two players. It's uh, not, it's not as good. It's much better with like a bigger player count, like four maybe maybe five i've heard i've heard the five or six it can can go a little long i'm Mm. thinking i'm thinking three four five might be the best i haven't done three but i think it would definitely work better than two oh yeah definitely sorry and also the fun thing is that they've regularly come out with expansions for yes they've released the latest one they released was for scar and uh uh, let's see who else was in. Oh, that you know one? who's in that one that blows my mind? Who? Radigan from the Great Mouse Detective. Yes, they, which which is one of my yes. favorite Disney movies, and it's one of those ones that like nobody really knows about. Anita has not even seen it yet, and I've been wanting to show it to her. And it's such a good movie, and it's and and he was voiced by Vincent Price. And they could have taken there's so many other more popular Disney villains that they haven't done yet. They could have put in there. They could have put in Cruella DeVille and they haven't used her yet. But they took Radigan. And I thought that was amazing. Yeah. And I also think that they're kind of leaning away from using Cruella, not because she wasn't a good villain or anything. It's because of animal cruelty. Oh, but that's what <laughs> makes her that what makes her a, a scary villain, though, isn't it? Yeah, it does. but. Uh, I'm just wondering if they do come out with it, how many of the uh, people, generally the populace, will be like, oh, they're promoting animal cruelty, yada, 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 when really, no. It was the times, 
and she was a great villain. It's just she's like like they could say the same thing about Scar. Are they promoting um uh, fratricide? Is that what's you know, or regicide? I mean <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. But who's who's the third one in that one? I cannot remember. Oh, Yizma. Oh my god. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh yeah, from Empress New Groove, right? <laughs> yes. Another one of my absolute favorites. That movie is so funny. That is hilarious. Mm. I, I maybe I need this one then. I actually haven't seen it all. The, I've seen parts of it. I've never seen it all the way through. I think it is the the funniest Disney animated movie ever. Yzma is voiced by Eartha Kitt, and her sidekick is voiced by Patrick. I think Warb- Warburton, the guy who does tons of voiceovers. He did the Tick in the original um, live action Tick. Yes. He does Love Joe him. Swanson on Family Guy. He's he's just he's got this very deadpan way of delivering things. His, his character's name is Kronk, and it's just uh one of my absolute favorite like movies. It, it's just hysterical. And so you should you should go definitely go see that. Yeah, I definitely will eventually. Have you played Villainous? I have not actually. So that may be something that you bring up with you for uh Pex. Yeah, that might that be something. Be a fun one. That might be worth doing, absolutely. I'm going to be bringing my magic stuff, some of my magic stuff, but I think what I really want to bring is Rising Sun. I think you, Sean, M, Amy, I think all four of you will enjoy it. That sounds good. You You got like the full set though, don't you? Yeah, I got the Kickstarter. I love Simon. I love the company. I love the games. But if you don't get on and on the Kickstarter... You're either going to have something that is not quite as good or you're going to get something that's good. But if you really want to get like the completionist, you have to spend like a whole lot more money just to get everything else that came with the Kickstarter. Because once with the uh, Kickstarter exclusives, they don't print them out normally. I think once in a while they'll do like through their shop or through their uh Simon Expo, but uh otherwise you have to go searching online like through eBay and then you just get into super fun times of finding the least scalping scalper for it. What is your what is your feeling about that by the way? That people like Simon who make fantastic, you know, products. Their games are usually very good and their their miniature quality is really awesome. Who's the designer for that one again? That's uh, that famous designer. What's his name? Eric M. Lang. Yes, Eric Lang. And uh, and he's he does fantastic stuff. But how, how do you feel about this idea that a lot of these games have to be kickstarted to get everything and that's going to cost you an arm and a leg to get a, a completionist? Do you think they're taking advantage of people like that? Or do you think it's okay to say, here's extra stuff. You know, here's the cost. If you want it, you don't need it. But it's there if you want it. I'd say it's all right if they do it kind of like what what like some of the video game companies have done, where they had like, oh, this is going to be a, a PlayStation exclusive for like two or three weeks before they release it there. So as long as they make it somewhat easy or less expensive than eBay to find like some of the Kickstarter stuff that came out, it's good. But I can also see it from the point that 
they want people to invest in it, so they will say, "Oh, this is a, this is going to be only for Kickstarter." Some people may be may feel a little gypped, saying that, "Oh, they said that this was going to be an exclusive, but now they're selling it out in the wild. Why are they doing that?" Yeah, as long as the base game is playable, right? Yeah, exactly. So, like the Rising Sun, the base game. It's absolutely fantastic, but like with uh, the Kickstarter, they got like the upgraded plastic bits. They've got they got an extra faction that came with the game, so you could play one more player with it. Kind of the uh, oh, this is more of a uh, exclusive thing for the persons. Like oh, I backed this, so I'm in this kind of like hoity-toity club versus like the normal people who are in like the lower tier and like go to the pub, go to a regular old pub while we're in like the uh, fancy like lounge. We're going to the lounge. You guys can go enjoy your gross domestic beer. (laughs) 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 I can understand it from like, if you're like a smaller publisher, like you really need to try and get your name out there. So you may have very little options other than like kickstarter and you do need to get that uh the backing so you do do the exclusives so something like that i can say okay that's fine while companies like simon they're huge they're like the uh new york mets versus the long island docks yeah that's that's a great analogy actually (laughs) They're in the pros, you know what I mean? There's only so many pro board game, you know, companies out there. So do they need to kickstart? Oh, definitely not. They're, they use it as a pre-order system and to get hype up for the games, basically. Mm. But also with everything going on, I'm not an expert in uh, manufacturing or anything, so I can't really say whether they don't have enough money for this, but... They're like the bigger companies, so they do have a lot more access to income and uh, uh, assets to use versus like your, I'd say like your Stronghold games or your uh, Portal games where they're much smaller and they don't have access to what you have. That makes sense. One of my friends, Michael, is actually uh, designing his own board game right now. Ooh. And uh, this past Friday, we helped uh, play test it. And I'd have to say that it's an interesting experience playing a prototype game and being like, hey, what do you guys think of this? And what what do you think you can to make this better? Because the I'm not sure if I'm able to really discuss it too much. He hasn't signed an NDA or anything there. No, of course. But, but yeah, just like he's aiming it towards like uh, kids. But it seems like something that if done correctly, it can really also go towards like adults can have fun playing it as well. It's always very hard trying to find that balance between easy enough for a kid to learn versus something that's got enough depth for an adult or like a hobby board gamer. What was it more dice based or card based? 
It's a card-based game, so it's using a lot of math and kind of uh, set collection. I'm kind of curious what it was like actually just kind of playtesting, not, not so much about the game, which I'm, I hope to hear about later. Uh, but I meant like, did he have a uh, specific types of, did he just use pieces of paper that he cut out? Did he use like playing cards or like pre-printed cards? He used pre-printed cards for it. Uh, and they were very good quality. It was very easy to distinguish between each one for the games. And just like he used some kind of uh, cheaper uh, bits to count up points and everything, just it's a prototype, so it's not going to be, like, super flashy or anything. No, of course. That's really neat. Yeah, it, it was. It was a nice experience. And, Mike, I am shilling for you with this, so <laughs> I will accept payment in form of pizza or donuts or anything. Your magic card collection, maybe. <laughs> uh, when he when he finishes up with where he feels the playtesting gets to and he starts talking to publishers and other people about, you know, maybe seeing if they'll, if they'll get it or however he wants to self publish. I'd love to have him on and see if he'll talk about the experience. Cause that seems like a really neat uh, thing to hear about. Yeah, absolutely. I'll speak with him and see if he's able to jump on. Uh, I wanted to talk about D and D for a moment. And I specifically wanted to talk about running a system in different worlds. So for example, Previously, I kickstarted uh, a what's called the Cthulhu Mythos Five E D and D set. It's a or not a set. It's a book. It's designed by Sandy Peterson, who's a game designer. He created the original Call of Cthulhu role playing game. He's done the Cthulhu Wars board game and a bunch of other board games and a ton of video games. Uh, he's a uh, very prolific, and he has created a supplement that essentially lets you apply the Cthulhu mythos world to like D&D 5e systems. I got the hardcover for that. I got one for Eric as a birthday gift, which he got about essentially 10 months later. So <laughs> that's Kickstarter for you. <laughs> and I think he's gonna, he wants to put together like a one shot. He, he got real excited about this. He's already using a character, using the book stuff in one of his campaigns with somebody else. So previously... Not a couple months back, you guys invited me. Your specific gaming group uh, invited me to join you on a game you were running. Yeah, and this one was in the world of Ravnica from Magic: The Gathering. Yes, it was. One of my friends, Lloyd, he isn't the biggest fan of Magic. Uh, he's told me multiple times that he hates it. Is too weak of a word for it. <laughs> Has he actually played it? He has, actually. Um, ah, okay. I believe that he played it with the wrong play group, and it just kind of, it really soured his experience with it. Oh, Magic will do that to you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Any game will do that to you. You, mm-hmm. get, the wrong, you get the wrong group with uh, uh, even, like, Monopoly. That's how people say, oh, this broke up all of our friendships. It's because mm-hmm. you played with the wrong freaking group. <laughs> and this is why I and Anita will never play Cosmic Encounter ever again. Yeah, I heard that. I'm just like, oh, I, w- I really want to play it too, but it's like... I'll try it again with you, but Anita will have nothing to do with it, and I don't blame her. I really don't. That was It was not a fun time. And 
it's when people play a game to show that, oh, like, basically their board game muscles and be like, oh, I'm so good at this game. Yeah. That's when it gets so, so dumb. It's when you're teaching people games, if you want to introduce people to this hobby, you, you can't focus on winning or crushing them because then what's the point? For a lot of people, losing is a very visceral experience. Mm. It reflects on them, like on their mood. It reflects on their ego. It reflects on a lot of things. You know, introducing someone to a game and then proceeding to just, you know, wipe the floor with them without even helping them out. It's pointless. Yeah. But anyway, yes. So Lloyd, as you said, not a fan of magic. After a little bit of talking with him about it, he agreed to join the game because he is... He is a D&D fanatic. He's been running our campaigns for the past five, six years, I'd say. <laughs> That's a long time to be doing that. It is, but he absolutely loves it. And just, uh, just you can see that he absolutely loves the game and wants, wants to really help uh, other people get a love for it as well. So Lloyd, Jacob, and my friend, other friend, Greg, and that was it, wasn't it? A fourth person joined us. Jason. It was Jason. Yes, 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 yes. So, yeah, Jason Jason joined us. He was a friend of, of one of the guys there. and uh, Yeah, he, he was a friend of all of ours because uh, he had uh, worked at a place that we always used to game at, but rather than meandering on from there. Uh, <laughs> so we had all, all four of us were playing the game and I was using the uh, official system that they came, that uh, wizards came out with as a supplement for D and D. What I wanted to do was I wanted to kind of run through like the, uh, just put together something fairly quick. That was a run through of, Basically, from the beginning, it was Guilds of Ravnica up to kind of the setup for War of the Spark yeah. from Magic. DMing is a hard experience. <laughs> 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 I've only DMed about two, maybe three times. And this was by far the longest I've ever run a game. So... A lot of the time, I was just kind of spitballing things, and I'm glad that I was able to play with veteran players like you guys because you took you all took it all in stride and were having a lot of fun with it rather than being like jerks and be like, "Come on, Jeff, what's going on? What's going on, Jeff?" Oh, we totally could have done that, and uh, but I think it was funnier that we acted like we knew what we were doing because it made I bet that even made it even harder. <laughs> Oh God! Yes, it did. Oh yeah, let's let's go through let's go through what, what everyone was real quick. For the listeners who may not be aware, Ravnica is one of the many worlds that Magic: The Gathering takes place in. It is probably one of the most popular worlds, and it has been uh, specifically featured in three whole sets, which is I think the second most behind maybe Dominaria, which is where the main set was focused. I could be wrong about that, but it's very popular. And it is a world kind of based off of 
I think it's supposed to be like Prague, actually. It's almost like an Eastern European flavor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very like modern and cosmopolitan, which is, but still like medieval in a way. And it's made up of 10 guilds, and magic has five colors, and each of the guilds are made up of two of the uh, color combinations. And they all have some part to do with everything in in the world of Ravnica. They're all, they're all, they all do something, you know, to help out the infrastructure in some way, but they're also all nuts. So yeah, the supplement goes through each of the guilds because they're a huge part of the world. Talks about, because you have to join one essentially. You don't have to, but it, you lose a lot if you don't. Lloyd played a centaur barbarian from the Selesnia. Yes, the Selesnia Conclave. And the general flavor of the Selesnia is that they're basically tree huggers. Mm -hmm. They're all about community. They're all about uh, loving nature. And then you have a centaur barbarian (laughs) who would be much more... uh, in line with the Gruul, the uh, green-red combination guild. But it was just hilarious. She was basically... He played him his character as basically a... Uh, a hedonist. You know, just just ultra-violent hedonist who, who liked to get drunk and get it on. No, complete lack of subtlety. Yes, very unsubtle. Because Lloyd's not familiar with magic, I wonder if he read the description for the gruel or just skipped it over completely. I think what it was was that he loves to play uh, off-type for archetypes, Ah. for his characters. So he chose the centaur as his character as part of the Celestia. A lot to be kind of different, kind of the... uh, Kind of against the grain. Okay, I gotcha. Uh, so I played a Loxodon cleric of the Azorius. Now, if none of that makes sense to you, because <laughs> that's a lot of words that don't probably don't mean anything uh, unless you're in, you, you are a fan of Ravnica. So a Loxodon is essentially a. It's like an elephant minotaur, isn't it? It's like an elephant man. It's an yes, and he is a person. Yeah, he's a, he's a Sorry. person. He's got like a humanoid body <laughs> and fingers, but he's got like elephant feet, like strong said, and an elephant head. Yeah, so not like the elephant man from the uh, older movies, <laughs> no. like the old an anthropomorphic an elephant anthropomorphic man. elephant man. Uh, which the minute I saw you could do that, I'm like, this seems really cool. And so I played him a cleric, so he was a, a healer and a buffer and. I picked the Azorius, which has always been one of my favorite guilds. They're essentially the law people. They they care. They create the laws, and then they also enforce them. They're both the judges and the police and the lawyers. I, I thought that would be interesting. So uh, Lloyd's character and mine naturally did not mesh well. <laughs> it, was, it was very much like watching Lethal Weapon. Yes, it was. <laughs> Oh, I do love Lethal Weapon, though. (laughs) My character was definitely getting too old for this. That was for sure. Oh, absolutely he was. Uh, Our other friend, Greg, he played uh, basically with the... uh, I'd say they're much more like the Mad Scientist kind of Frankenstein guild. Is that a good comparison? Yes, yes. The Simic are designed to be the doctors 
and the healers, but they're also essentially the the Victor Frankenstein, you know, let's mesh a bunch of animals together and make a super animal. Yeah. So he played a druid from there, and he was very much kind of the... Was he a spore druid? Yeah, he was. He was a spore druid, but the way that he interacted with the group, he was a lot more of like the... Uh, he was kind of the George Costanza of the group, I'd say. <laughs> is that his, was his style, is, is his is his game playing style to be a lot more, uh, to be a little more reserved? Yeah, he tends to be a little more reserved because uh, he like he likes to plan things out. He likes to have a plan of, things to do and then we all just go in and just screw it all up yeah just make make everything terrible (laughs) (laughs) basically yes and he is also our pun guy so (laughs) if you need a pun go to him oh it was funny because he and i got to play uh new subclasses or archetypes of the classes so i was a cleric of the order domain all about law so i got to essentially use an ability sometimes that let me kind of just enter a room and say, you're all under arrest. And that worked out pretty well sometimes. Yeah, it did. Actually it did. And you couldn't hit with hit anybody with your mace for the life of you. I could not hit amazing. worth a damn. I could not hit anything. I was, I was less than useless half the time. So, <laughs> well, you healed. So if that I felt like for it. something <laughs> basically, yeah. And and Greg played uh, a spore druid, which kind of like does this cool, creepy stuff with with like spores and and hurts things in his area, and does a whole bunch of cool stuff. Yeah, it was in flavor with the uh, guild with the uh, Ravnica set. It's a lot more toward geared towards like the uh, Golgari, the one of the other guilds, which is a lot more like the jan basically the janitors of the uh, of the world. But he and I came up with a reason why he would be this specific subclass because it was like, oh, he spent a lot of time underground, so he started studying a lot more about the spores. It was actually really cool to watch. We were all playing kind of against type in a way. Oh, absolutely, we were. Loxodons usually, they can be in Azorius, but... They're not usually, so that was kind of diff- different too. And so, yeah, he was playing a very Golgari, but he was in in um, Simic, and uh, <laughs> and Lloyd was Lloyd was was Chaos Incarnate, and it was uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was awesome. And Jason played a goblin, uh, basically. Again, mad scientist, but more in like a Doc Brown type of way. Yes. Yeah, the Is It Guild. So his goblin was very much the sciencey, like blow stuff up type of person. And he was very much he was the peanut butter to our chocolate. <laughs> it was amazing. I felt like there was something missing and he definitely brought it. Yes. He brought the explosives. <laughs> there was not enough explosions. <laughs> You've been playing D&D uh, like with this group for Lloyd's been doing that for like five or six years. And I think you've been doing it for longer than that, too. Right. About the same time, 
what happened was that we met up in a kind of a homebrew campaign that another friend of ours ran, but we've kind of fell off with him. So we all just kind of combined into another group. We've, yeah, we've been playing for a long time. What was your feeling then of the Ravnica setting? Do you think it worked well? I think it does. Uh, it has a lot of flavor, a lot of things that you can work with, but it's it's a matter of kind of the DM kind of trying to also help you guys out with getting you in, involved with it. Unfortunately for me, it's since I was new, I wasn't really getting into it too much there. Because uh, half the fun was just having you guys banter with each other. So I'm just <laughs> I'm just sitting in the back being like drinking my coke and being like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> and then when it's finally time for me to speak, I'm like, oh shit, I didn't do it. Oh god, I gotta do something. I gotta I gotta do something. <laughs> yeah. Um uh uh explosion. <laughs> Cause it's all of a sudden it's a Michael Bay film with a source book. It has a lot of stuff to it. I basically gave copies of the of it to the players and tried to get an explanation to everybody out of kind of the general gist of it. But sometimes, unfortunately, I wasn't as well prepared as I should be. So some of the things were a little bit rushed. And I'm sorry if it felt that way to you guys there. No, you have nothing to apologize for. That was a lot of fun. And now you guys are doing um, one of the uh, the Dragon Heist, right? Waterdeep? Yeah, we're doing the Waterdeep Dragon Heist. So with that one, I'm the player this time. Lloyd is back to the DMing chair, thank God. A <laughs> <laughs> lot less pressure on me. I'm playing a Goliath Warlock. The hell? Yes. <laughs> So basically, I am a half-giant warlock. I'm of the... uh, Where the warlock has a bunch of different subtypes that they can go into. Mine specifically is that I get my powers from the Hexblade, which is a deity or demon that kind of is more involved in death. So for flavor reasons, I was actually getting my powers from the Raven Queen, which is a mysterious multidimensional deity from uh, D&D's lore. And I do a lot of things with the sword, so (laughs) I'm not specifically, oh, throw out energy blasts and everything. I'm more of the guy who runs up and slices. That seems much more fitting for the, the Goliath, I think, than... Because it's in the name. I mean, the name of the race is called a Goliath. That's just <laughs> it'd be still it'd be silly if you just stood there, you know, you know, ca- casting dancing lights and making the lights all pretty, and not actually, you know, knocking some skulls together. Yeah, and unfortunately, I'm still fairly squishy, so I do a lot of that running in, and I'm like, cleric, help! <laughs> I forgot that I'm squishy. <laughs> Also, you and I are now involved in uh, our good friend Caitlin is once again running Monster of the Week, which is a a fantastic sort of supernatural slash X-Files slash Buffy sort of urban fantasy, dark urban fantasy sort of uh, world. Uh, It's very much in that. It's it's in that wheelhouse. 
and uh, so we're playing with uh, two people who I had met some some friends of mine from Augusta who just moved away. They are they are playing with us, and so it's it's the two of us and the two of them. And Caitlin is running it with a new source book. Now we have uh, called Tome of Mysteries. So I get to play this new character. He's a gumshoe. He's like a detective, and you are playing a uh, somebody. You're playing not somebody that's not in the book. You're playing one of the other classes i guess from other sources yes i am i'm playing the uh the exile basically what it is is that my character is a person from a different time that was sent to the future so in this case my character russo came from the 1920s america and found himself in modern day yeah which is really cool Oh, absolutely. It's awesome. Yeah. And and also I'm having a super fun time being like the old old granddad being like, how does this work? <laughs> what? <laughs> what is this tweet? <laughs> you and your MySpaces and your Facebooks. That's a lot of fun. And uh, hopefully we can talk more about that uh, as, the, as it gets going. We can talk about the characters and Monster of the Week, which is which is a fantastic role-playing system. It uses Power by the Apocalypse. It is one character sheet and two dice, and that's all you need. Yeah, and I absolutely love where RPGs are going nowadays because you have things that are easy to really start getting into, like Monster of the Week, and then you have things that are heavier, like D&D. Even though 5th Edition has been really going towards like the lighter side of things it still it still has a lot of depth to it and there's like almost infinite amount of custom customization you can do with it absolutely and then you and then you have games like shadow run <laughs> which are i i want to play it i really want to try and play it but just the amount of stuff in it is insane it's dense right like it's really dense yeah <laughs> and oh my god yeah because you have like it's futuristic fantasy so you have like orcs and goblins mixed with cyberpunks and hackers and it's just really cool but just with all of that it has to be super complex and uh, it makes my brain hurt. <laughs> that sounds neat. I'd like to give it a. I'd like to give it a shot. So, the same game night that we play tested Mike's game, we broke out a game called Six Nimt, which is a German game. Can you spell that six what? Six N I M M T. So it's a German game that I recently purchased. I forgot that the rules were in German. <laughs> And that they didn't have any English. <laughs> but the website, Amigo Spiel, did have the English rules, badly translated English, but it's it's a fun game and I highly recommend looking at it. If you want a review, Shop and Sit Down has one that really gets into the nitty gritty of it. And it's very simple, it's very fun card game. 
Uh, so I wanted to close up. We got a lot to talk about. I'm I'm glad we're able to get back into a little bit of podcasting now. Now that my classes have slowed down a lot, I've only got one left, and I graduate in December, so that's great. Uh, but there's like a lot of stuff that I wanted to talk about. There's there's some fun both board and video games I wanted to talk about. There are some books and movies. I was thinking maybe next week we could talk about. Have you seen a lot of summer movies? I've seen a few summer movies. Uh... I wanted to talk about some of the ones I've seen because I, I miss doing some movie reviews um, on top of some other stuff. Sounds good. I haven't been watching too many movies, but I have been playing a lot of Fire Emblem Three Houses. Oh, yeah. You need to tell me about that because now I'm getting a little interested in that now. I'd like to hear about that more next week. Definitely. Well, I'll definitely get talking to on that. I would like to end, though, by giving a little bit of a shout out. I would like all three people who listen to this podcast to go to your preferred podcast provider, whether it be iTunes, uh, they're on Google now and on uh, or it was a Google Listen or something like that. Yeah. And uh, and on Spotify, and you will find a brand new podcast called Bedtime Gamers. Yeah, boy. Now, Bedtime Gamers is a new podcast by Emily and Sean Horan, who have been on this podcast with us before. They have moved off to Atlanta, so not too far from me. They're about two and a half to three hours from me. And they got a little baby, a little baby Harper. And, and the kid's probably like six months now, and they're finally getting back into the swing of playing more games. And... Uh, they need to do it after the kid goes to bed. So they've been calling it Bedtime Gamer. I have listened to both episodes that they've released so far. They've only done two. And I got to tell you, Jeff, uh, they are terrible. Oh, yeah. They're the worst. You shouldn't listen to them at all. They're awful. I I think I got I got a shout out in both episodes, but only once. And yeah. I think they only mentioned you like once, too. And that is not nearly enough. So no, definitely not. No, absolutely. We demand tribute. Yes, exactly. And like, and I hate it because they've got like a great rapport with each other and they're talking about all these fun games and all this other stuff. And oh, it's just terrible. Terrible. Oh, it's the worst. So whatever you do, do not go to these podcasts and listen to our good friends uh, putting together a well-produced and interesting podcast. Yeah, definitely. I'm, that was all sarcasm, by the way. Please go listen to them. It's fantastic. Um, no, they're the worst. Still the worst. They're the terrible. No, I'm, jo- they I'm, joking. Terrible. I'm joking. They're the best. Love you guys. <laughs> Please don't leave me in Philadelphia. <laughs> don't worry, Jeff. I'll be there. <laughs> no. <laughs> I want a Philly cheesesteak. Okay. Well, Jeff, it was uh, great playing some catch up with you here. And uh, so I will be back with you next week. Uh, we'll be back to with you guys all next week, too. So thank you all so much for listening. Bye-bye. I swear I'm going to stop recording. I'm going to